between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. your name this morning worship you Jesus thank you thank you Jesus Lord we bless your name we thank you for your presence here thank you for your grace that is with us this morning thank you for spirit of guidance that will help us Lord help us to find the blessing which that which you want to bless us with this morning. Come on and reach our hearts, Lord, by the ministry of your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. I submit my heart to you. Use it as you will to speak, as you desire to speak, as you want to speak to. And use words as your vehicle today <clears throat> to carry the weight of your blessing into our hearts. Thank you, our Father. We worship your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Um, good morning to you. Um, let's, let's open our Bibles. Let us let's first see Psalm Psalm forty five. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Psalm 45, let's see, verse, verse 8, or, or from verse, verse 7. Amen. Good morning to you. Please, um, you can say good morning to someone. Uh, yes, I love you. Happy to see you. And... Uh, to fellowship with you this morning. <laughs> Praise God. Glory to Jesus. Um, verse 7 says, Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Praise God. 
And therefore God thy God had anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And verse 8 then says, all thy, all thy garments, all thy garments smell of mire and aloes and cassia out of the ivory place or palaces, the ivory palaces whereby they have made the word, whereby they have made the glad. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's stay here. So the, these garments, of course, they are uh, the garments of these priests. I think we, we saw a little bit about this. He's a king um, who they refer to from verse 1. He was speaking. Uh, he says, my heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of things which I have made touching the king, praise God, and my tongue is the pen of the ready writer. And we said that this king is the Lord um, who was, he who has been made fairer than who? Than the children of man. Thank you, Jesus. And so, so that he was anointed with the oil of gladness. And the oil which he was anointed with produced a smell. That's what verse 8 is saying to us that thy garments smell of mile and what? Aloes and cassia out of where? The ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. Praise God. Um, so the, the smell of the garments you can, it's very clear then that the smell of the garments uh, comes from the oil, the anointing, which is poured upon him. Do you agree with that? That uh, that oil of gladness <clears throat> is um, it's almost like some sort of perfume which they pour on him and that brought forth smell. And then the smell of the garment is not the smell of oil, but it's the smell of things that are in the oil. If you saw, let's go to Exodus. Let's see. Let's see the making of the oil in, in Exodus chapter 30. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Exodus 30, 22. If you're there, say amen. It says, Moreover, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, that Take thou also, this is a long place. Please, can you read for me, Yinka? Just, um, if you can read to verse 33 from verse, okay, 22. Thank you, Jesus. Exodus 30 from verse 22. Yes, sir. Moreover, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take thou also unto thee principal spices of pure mare, 500 shekels, and of sweet cinnamon, half so much, 
even 250 shekels of sweet calamus, 250 shekels, and of cassia, 500 shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary, and of the, olive, and of the oil olive and in. And thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment, and ointment compound after the art of the apothecary. It shall be an holy anointing oil. And thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therewith, and the ark, and the testimony, and the table of all the vessels, and the candlesticks, and the vessels, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offerings with all his vessels, and the lava, and his, and his foot. Verse 29. And thou shalt sanctify them, that they may be most holy. Whatsoever toucheth them shall be holy. And thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons, and consecrate them, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. Verse 31. And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, This shall be an holy anointing oil unto me throughout your generations. Upon man's flesh shall it not be poured, neither shall ye make any other like it. After the composition of it, it is holy and it shall be holy unto you. Praise God. Uh, verse 33 says, Whosoever compounded any like it, or whosoever put it any of it upon a stranger shall be what? Cut off from the people. Praise God. Um, so um, you see the, if you go up to verse um, 23, it says, and take thou unto the principal spices of pure mire, right, 500 shekels, and of sweet cinnamon, half of so much. So that is, um, if you have 500, that's Half of that is 250, amen. And of sweet calamus, 250, and of cassia, 500 shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary, and then, the, then the finally you put the oil. So they measure also the quantity of the oil that goes with that. Praise God. So you're seeing the level of how specific the Lord is about the composition of the anointing. Right, it's, it's very specific. He told him what measure of each spice to put within the anointing oil. And the purpose of, the reason for spices is um, for, it's actually to release a smell or to release a savour. I know when you, when you think of spices, you're thinking of cooking, and that's true. Praise God that even these spices are used for cooking too. They can cook with them. But um, what spices add to your food is not taste. It's smell. Do you agree with that? The way you'll know is when you have a cold or something and your nose is blocked, then you try to eat your nice smelling um, igusi soup or pepper soup or something. What happened? It just tastes like salt and water. Have you tried it before? When, you, when you're sick and you try to, a very flavorful food, and you try to eat it, it tastes like salt and water because your, your tongue really cannot taste um, what are the common spices we use? What? Curry, thyme, 
yeah, if at all, if your tongue wants to taste it, your tongue will taste the bitterness of it because all of those things are all bitter. Can you just, can you chew thyme leaves? Just the way it is. Or what else? Bay leaves, curry. You can't chew them. Why? Because they are bitter, right? So to, they're actually bitter to taste. They're not sweet. So when you see the word sweet cinnamon here, cinnamon is not sweet to taste. If you, if you have a cold and you just taste cinnamon, it's not sweet. It just tastes bitter. Do you get what I'm saying? So... So what spices add to your food is not taste, it is smell. So when you're eating, you're not just eating with your, nobody eats with their, with their mouth alone. You eat also with your, with your nose. There's a part of the food that satisfies your smell. Praise God. What? <laughs> Amen. Um, so, so you're seeing that smell, this spicy. So God is concerned about how the, how will the oil smell? So, the spices are uh, God calls. So, when they blend spices together, depending on the measure of what is inside or the composition of the spices, if you shift the composition, let's say instead of 500 of cinnamon, you take just 250. And then, oh, sorry, it's 500 of myrrh, you, you take 250 and then you increase the cinnamon to maybe 500 it would not be the same, right? When, when God can smell it, and God will know that this is not the same, the right composition of the word, of the oil, of what I gave to, to the, the, what I prescribed, praise God, to the priest to, to make, amen. amen. Um, so that, that tells you a lot, that tells us something um, awesome, something beautiful about the anointing, you know, remember what the anointing is. The anointing oil is um, what is used finally to, is the final thing that comes upon the priest to make the priest qualified to go in and touch the things of God. Amen. You see that. Let's read a bit of what the Lord said. So, in... In verse, from verse um, 26, he said, And thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therewith, and the ark of the testimony. So you anoint the congregation, the tabernacle, sorry, and you anoint the ark, you anoint the table, all the vessels, the candlestick, and then the incense, and the, you anoint also the altar, and all the vessels of the altar, the burnt offering altar. So the the burnt offering altar is in the outer court. Do you see that? So uh, verse 26 speaks about the most holy, right? Then verse 27 speaks about the where? The, the holy place. Because the, everything in the holy place, you have the table, right? Then you have the what? You have the table on this side. You are facing the, the veil, right? If you're facing the the, the most holy veil in the tabernacle, you have the table. That, that's the table of, what, of the shoe bread, where you have the, the bread for the, the priest's bread there. And then you have on this side the candlestick. And on, on, on the table, you have vessels. Praise God. That's the, the furnishing of the, of the sanctuary. You have the, the table on the right side. You have the candlestick on the left side. Amen. 
And when you move further towards the veil, just by the veil, on the right side by the veil, of the, the veil into the most holy place, you have another, an altar. This is what they call the altar of incense. Praise God. So these are all the utensils of ministry in the sanctuary. And he said that you must anoint everything with oil. Then when you come out of the sanctuary into the altar or into the court, just, just by the door that separates the court from the sanctuary, you'll find the altar there, right? the altar of burnt offering, which has all its vessels. So you must anoint that. So there are two main things, praise God, in the, in the courts before the, the um, vessels of ministry in the courts or the thing, the items of ministry in the courts are closer to the door of the courts, of the, sorry, the door into the sanctuary. And when you're coming in, you see on the right side, you have an altar there, which is an altar of burnt offering, right? And then on the left side, down there, you have what they call a lava, right? Lava has, just like a, a little round something that has water inside of it, praise God. And the water is for, is for washing. You saw the, all the washing happened before the same chapter. Before they began to speak about the, the oil here, the, he first of all spoke about washing of the priest, right? Um, that begins from verse 7, 17, we're seeing and and the Lord speak unto Moses, saying that thou shalt make a lava of brass and his foot also of brass to wash withal, and, and thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation, right, and then the, and the altar. So there is the altar outside, and there's some space in between. So right at the door, they put the what? The, the, this lava. And thou shalt put water therein. And verse 19, for Aaron and his sons shall wash their hands and their feet thereat. And then when thou go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not. Or when they come near to the altar to minister, to, to burn offering made by fire unto the Lord. So they shall wash their hands and their feet that they die not, and it shall be a statute forever unto them, even to them and to his seed throughout their what? Generations. And then moreover, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Now take thou also unto the word principal spices. Praise God. So, so you're seeing that the, 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 the spice in the making of the oil and the, the using of the oil comes after the washing. There's Washing that must occur to, to Aaron, the priest, amen, and to his sons. Praise the Lord. And so when they are washed, you have to put oil. It's not enough to wash them, but you must also anoint them. It's not enough to wash them. You must also do what? Anoint them. You must wash them first, and then later, you must, when it's time for them to go into the the sanctuary, you have to put the oil on them. Amen. So verse 26 was from verse 26 was speaking about the anointing of the sanctuary and the vessel. Then verse 29 concluded in saying that thou shalt sanctify them that they may be what? Most holy and whatsoever toucheth them shall be what? 
holy. Now, so this is the where you begin to see the meaning of the anointing, the anointing oil. Praise God. Now, the water that they put there, um, they didn't call the water holy. So even though, I mean, you have some denominations who use, praise God, who have, praise God, who have water. It's, it's called holy water, amen. So, but we said that, that the water of washing, I'm sure that holy water is, is almost like a type of what they did here. Amen. But the, the water of the tabernacle, the Bible doesn't call the water holy. Right? It doesn't call the water holy. It just calls, it's just water. Amen. So that water, so it's very clear that it's possible to be washed and not be holy. So that's what they're saying here, that after washing the priests, you've washed them with water, but they are still not holy. So when you follow the chronology of this description, what God, you know, this God, God just describing his, is describing standards of holiness. And it's out of him that things are just coming out, just talking to Moses, saying, if you want me to be around you, these are the things that must be in place. Praise God. And, and that's not just, this, when you're reading this verse, they're not just speaking to Moses, they're talking to you as well. So the Holy Spirit has to breathe wisdom into you to, to fetch out the instruction for you. Because there's a way that these things apply to your own soul when it has to do it. Your soul being a tabernacle, right, to, for God and where God will stay. So means that there's something that means that is water to your soul that can wash your soul. There is a dimension of the word of God, which is water, which actually washes, can wash the soul. But when the soul is washed with water, at that point, when the soul has been washed with water, there's a point here you find where um, they spoke about the washing already, but they now spoke about first anointing of the vessel. The anointing of the vessels of the sanctuary. Then they say, when you've anointed the vessel, um, you have to be careful with who can touch them. Praise God. Verse 29, that's what verse 29 is saying that, and thou shalt sanctify them. That them there is the vessels. All the things they mentioned from the holy place, from the most holy, sorry, to the holy place, to the outer court. It says that thou shalt sanctify them, that they may be most holy, and whosoever then touch them. So it's telling you that whosoever will touch them, what? Shall be holy. Whosoever will touch them shall be holy. So because of that, verse 30, then thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons, and then consecrate them that they may minister to me where? In the priest's office. You see that? And then thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, This shall be an holy anointing oil unto me throughout your world, throughout your generations. It shall be an holy anointing oil unto me throughout what? Your, your generation. So, um, just the, the sense and the light I want to bring from here is that is to, to show how God 
um, how God estimates holiness. Right? There's, a, there's an estimation of, in the mind of God that what, what makes something holy. So you, it's very clear that washing of water doesn't make a thing holy in God's eyes. That what produces holy is the holy anointing. What produces holiness? Do you see that? What, what produces holiness? Is the, what produces holiness is the holy word. Is the holy anointing. So when you see a priest is holy, there are many things about the priest, but what actually is the, is the main ingredient, the main thing that there's, of course, things that must happen to the priest first before he becomes qualified to carry the holy anointing on him. Praise God. But those things have to be in place. But what makes those things can be done in a priest? Workings can happen in a priest, but a priest is not considered holy until the holy anointing comes on him. Does that make, does somebody understand what I'm trying to say? Are you sure? Are we, are we together? Are you sure we're together this morning? Everybody's here? Praise God. So, it's very clear. Isn't this very clear to you? Is there anything else? Praise God. So, you, you see that even at this point, for, for them to anoint the priest, the priest already has his garment. They spoke about the garment in chapter 28. The whole of chapter 28, they were speaking about the garment, how you wear the garment and all. But, so the priest can have, have his garment being built and everything. And a lot of, there's a lot of work that goes into the garment to raise the garment. But this chapter is now, they are, fi- they are finalizing, they're showing you the final thing. It's an, it's an uh, estimation that God will do to a soul that God will check. What does God check when he looks at the soul to see whether is this soul holy or not? Is this person holy or not? Is that what must God, what will they check? They will check the word, the holy word, the holy oil. Let's read it again. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. Amen. He says that, and thou shalt, thou shalt, Sanctify them, verse 29, that they may be most holy, and whatsoever toucheth them shall be holy. What they are saying is that nothing should touch these things as long as the vessel has been anointed. Now, when you're thinking of vessel now, we're talk- you're speaking about the house itself. Praise God. Now, we know that this house is, is heaven, pretty much. It's just heaven. It's like a representation of heaven on the earth. Do you see that? So, what they're telling you is that in heaven, the, the uh, you know, heaven is a temple. It's a temple of ministry. And when you get to that temple, you see there are beings of ministry in the temple of heaven. So, they are, they are, they are telling you that the, uh, the access to heaven, the temple of heaven, 
is only is granted based on the holiness of a person that there is holy standard for the soul to come into heaven and then begin to touch the vessels of ministry in heaven. Now, if you ask me, what are the vessels of ministry in heaven? They are beings. They are actually beings in heaven. They are like angels who are in heaven. Praise God. Who, who are, they are angels who are cup. God can drink from them. Jesus can drink. You know what I'm, I'm trying to show you, give you an example of they are, they are actually vessels. They minister to God. Are you getting what I'm saying? In heaven, God uses them. Some of them can be like a table to God. You see, an angel can be like an altar. You know, just moving beyond the furniture sense. We're talking about the function. What, what an altar can do, you see, a being can do it in terms of how, it, how God will receive pleasure from that being because they are entities of will. They are living. Of course, it's very clear that God has no use for a physical table with a physical bread or a physical altar. But that anything that is useful to God must be alive, must be living. Those are, so God made those beings in heaven. Those, the furniture of heaven are creatures. Yes, Do you agree with me? Yes, the furniture of heaven are creatures. If you get to heaven and say, okay, ah, I've reached the veil. We want to touch the veil. You say that you are touching an angel. They are actually, are you getting what I'm saying? That in heaven, that they are, they are angels. Are the, they are the furnishing of heaven. The entire heaven is actually a strata of angels. And, and those angels, so they are showing you holiness. So you will not find angels that have no, what, what actually make angels, they speak about his holy angels. What makes angels holy is the, is the anointing upon them. Right, that the anointing upon them is what makes, and this is just a universal truth that I want us to understand that Anything that is holy is, must be anointed. That is just, it's, it's, a simple, it's a simple principle of the spirit, of the scripture. The scripture shows that principle. It's also a, a, a simple principle of God. That what makes a thing holy is anointing. Are you seeing that? It's what? It's anointing. So by the time he said you anoint the vessel... You know, this is a type, the typification. And once you've anointed the vessel, now, if anything would touch it, that thing also must be what? Holy. So another word for, let's see that. Verse 29, thou shalt sanctify them, and they may be holy, most holy, whatsoever toucheth them shall be holy, and thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons, and consecrate them, that they may minister unto me in the priesthood of his. And then thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying that, that this shall be an what? Holy what? An holy anointing oil unto me throughout your what? Your generation. Now verse 32 says something else, that Upon man's flesh shall it not be poured, and neither shall you make any other like it after the composition of it, for it is holy, and it shall be holy unto you. That word, upon man's flesh, means on bare flesh. 
on bare flesh, you cannot pour the holy oil. So what's the meaning of that? That means that the holy oil comes on garment, not on what? Not on flesh. So it means that anybody who must who must be, who will become holy or any person who will receive the holy anointing, that that person must first be clothed, but not before the, in the verse chapter before, they first then described the kind of clothing that is, is the kind of clothing that is fit for the oil. That is not every kind of cloth that what you that you can put the oil on. They describe the clothing of the priest, right? That the clothing of the priest must be designed a certain way, must be designed by certain people who are being filled with the spirit of, of wisdom and who's, who are wise-hearted. So the, the, those who are filled with the spirit of wisdom and who are wise-hearted, uh, it would take a, the, it's the raising of the spiritual garment that how the, the garment is sewn, how the garment is weaved, how the, the, they did the work, the wisdom with which they did the work of the garment is what qualifies that garment for what? The, for the holy anointing. Praise God. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So, so you're seeing that um, the holy anointing oil is, is of course a type of the spirit, right? It's, is talking about how the oil will, the marriage of a work and that the work is the, that's the, that's the language they use, right, the, of needlework. Let's see verse 28, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Chapter 28, sorry. Chapter 28, um, very quickly, uh, verse, verse 1, it says, and, and take thou unto the Aaron thy brother, and his sons with him, and from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Itamar, Aaron's sons. Thank you, Jesus. So, and then thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother, for what? Glory, and for what? For beauty, and then thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of word, wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garment to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me where? In the priest's office. Praise God. And these are the garments, which, these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, an effort, a robe, an embroidered coat, a mitra, a girdle, and they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his son, that he may minister unto me in what? The priest's office. And they shall take gold and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen, and they shall make the effort of gold, of blue, of, of purple, of scarlet, and of fine twined linen with what? A cunning work. That word cunning work means a work with wisdom. Like it's cunning, not cunning in a bad way. Like scheming is it's talking about application of wisdom, the kind of work. Are you seeing that? That it's done. Amen. So so the, the, the garment upon which, so you're seeing, um, the, the, they are speaking about the, the, the holy 
the holy anointing uh -huh, coming upon a garment that was being done by a, a work of wisdom, right? Which is a wisdom that is produced by the spirit. So if the garment is qualified for the oil, it means that there is something about the essence of the garment and the oil that, can, that are the same. The, the guy, you cannot separate that. The audience saying that the garment and the oil should not be separated. That the garment and the oil, they actually one with each other. It's an holy oil and a holy garment. Why shouldn't they come together? Are you see what I'm saying? So, you, what you will see then is that they are showing you that it's the same, it's actually the same wisdom of the garment that is the wisdom of the oil. So, two kind of works. One is the work of a, a, a tailor, an embroider, or whatever. The second one is the work, he said, after the art of the apothecary. The apothecary is another kind of a sense of wisdom. It's another occupation, right, of people who mix things, right, who they deal in you know, spices and perfumes and all of those things. Praise God. And, and he's saying, so it's, it's wisdom from, from different occupations. So that will tell you that that is something that is it is holiness flowing from God that is that's manifesting in two in two occupations. Right, the, the same holiness that's flowing, coming from God moved into the occupation of um, tailoring or garments making. I don't know what it's called. Praise God, but it is wisdom. So. What we are seeing is wisdom moving to produce holiness. Do you see that? It's wisdom doing what? Wisdom. Wisdom producing what? Holiness. So, so anything that is holy, the garment that is holy is a, is a product, praise the Lord. The garment that is holy is a, is a product of a, a, a wise-hearted person. Let's, let's see the language of chapter 3. Chapter 30, sorry. Yes, see verse, they call it verse, in verse 25. The language is in verse 25. It says, And thou shalt, thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound, after the art of the word apothecary, it shall be an holy anointing word oil. It's an oil after the word, the art of the word apothecary, and it shall be what? It shall be an holy anointing oil. So you see, what is the word of art? What is art? Art. The art is means skill. Skill is wisdom. So the, what the art of the apothecary is the wisdom of mixture, is the wisdom of compound, the wisdom to to compound, to create compound with different measure to produce. 
is the, is the wisdom of smell. So you are seeing what God is raising out of this place, that God is, is raising different, different standard of approval, right? First of all, in chapter 28 of Exodus, we saw him. What is the purpose of, of doing that, letting them make those garments and him filling them with wisdom, right, and uh, making them wise-hearted? We saw that in verse chapter 28 that the purpose is to produce glory and beauty, right? So glory and beauty is now, is, is wisdom's appeal to the eyes. Do you see that? What did I say? Glory and beauty is, is, is wisdom's what? Appeal. When wisdom is appealing to the eyes, it appears as glory and beauty. And then God is now saying, okay, it's not only my eyes. I also need to smell too. Are you seeing that, that in terms of my pleasure, what gladdens me, what, what makes me satisfied, that he, he spoke about the requirement of what he must see. Now, that's ch- chapter 28. Then chapter 30 is now, is now speaking about what he must smell to, to, for him to approve holiness. So the, you're now seeing that those two different professions, one profession produces visual appeal. Another profession produces olfactory appeal or smell appeal through what. And, but they are... They are both professions of wisdom. They are both people who will be skilled with wisdom to produce. One is using wisdom to produce smell. The other one is using wisdom to produce what? Glory and beauty. So you're seeing that um, God's holiness, so we say that anything that is not anointed cannot be holy. That's true. Well, it's not just about the point, the concept of all. It's not so, okay, you will not ask, okay, ask me, okay, what, is, what about the anointing? What is it about the anointing that makes that anointing the, the criteria? What makes God approve something? Or you will not say, okay, what is it about the garment? You know, so the common theme there is the what? Is the, is the wisdom. So what is actually, so it means that to God, holiness is wisdom. Amen. Did you catch what I just said? Yes, to God, what is that? It's, it's wisdom. It's wisdom. So when you see something is glorious and beautiful, God can discern it. Nothing can be to arrive at this glory and beauty. There's a, there's a wise work that's done behind it to, to produce that thing. Are you, are you seeing that? And, and that's the criteria. Nothing can be termed holy without wisdom. Nothing can be. You see, you know, you spoke about, okay, we, we looked at the oil coming upon the garment, but we saw that the garment of the priest is not the first thing that they will anoint. But before they anointed the garment, they are first of all anointed the house. Now, but you know that the house which they anointed followed the same pattern. Two, when the Lord was, where, where did he give instruction about about those men who he had separated. Let's see. Thank you. 
Oh, glory to God. When did the Lord first begin to, to speak about the tabernacle? Where he was speaking about those people whom he has put the spirit in them to make Okay, they bring an offering, that's verse 25. What is spoke of Aholiab, you know Aholiab? Verse what? It's 31, is it later? Okay, so that was when he was speaking of the making of the altar, sorry, let's see. Okay, let's see, let's see, amen. Chapter 31, thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, and of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. In what? In wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in cutting of stones to set them and in carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, behold, I have given with him Aholiab, the son of Ahishamach of the tribe of Dan and in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted. Praise God. And I have put wisdom that they may make all that I have what commanded thee. So, you see, he, he gave him command of specification of building the, the courts, the sanctuary, the most holy place. And all the vessels, he told him about everything that should be built. And he's not telling him that there, not anybody can build them. So everything that you said will be built, amen, are all the things which he spoke in chapter 30 that the holy oil will come upon. You know, we saw them, those three verses, he spoke about the things in the most holy and then the things in the holy place and the things in the outer court that the oil will come upon. So, and it's now telling you in chapter 31 that the way those, those things must also fulfill the principle of the garment of the priest. Why? Because those are the things that will be anointed. So if someone like this these kind of people don't make those things. The oil will not come on them. Praise God. The, can someone explain to me what I just, the concept of what I just said? Can you explain to me, Wesley, what I just, the thought that I just want to establish? Amen. We have to go a bit early today, so I don't want to waste too much time. Amen. Praise God. Sir, you're trying to ex what you're trying to explain is, yes, um, sir. is that... What is, what is approved or what God sees and approved or things that God does are holy, okay. first of all. And um, what he sees as holy, yes, sir. Um, he 
are things that are anointed. Okay. Yes, and um, you're saying that that anointing um, was made after a wise manner. So what makes the oil anointed is wisdom. Oh, how the oil is being made, it is after the art of the apothecary. Um, is a, it was made in a wise manner. The wisdom is from God. And that anointing only comes on specific things. We saw in 28 that the garment of the priest, um, it only comes, that holy oil only comes on the garment. And also we saw that the things in the sanctuary or the things in the outer court, holy place or the most holy place, that anointing can only come on them. Now, if, that, if the garment or the vessels of the, um, in the tabernacle are not made after the same wisdom in which the oil is made, the oil cannot rest on it. So it doesn't matter what is being made. It just matters like if the, for example, if, if the garment was just made by someone who is not wise-hearted, then that oil cannot rest on it. But the garment or the things in the sanctuary have to be made by someone who is wise-hearted. So that's the only way the oil and the vessel or the garment can come together. So, so, so wisdom must meet wisdom. Wisdom must meet wisdom. So if, if there is a gap in wisdom, there will be a gap in holiness. You can, and that's, that's, that principle can never be broken. If there is gap in wisdom, so if you say, if you pray and pray and pray, but you, you never become wise, you cannot pray yourself into the presence of God. Do you understand that? That it's wisdom. Wisdom. Why? Because they are, they are, the, that realm of holiness where you are going to, it has, it's a wall that has enemies. Right, it's a realm of enemies. God has enemies. And there are forces, there are things that who's, who are sworn to pollute that which is holy. You see, there are things, there are, there are active forces that are sworn to do or to pollute. That is the one you see the nature of the devil. When you, what is actually inside his heart. You know, part of how they... You know, they didn't speak too much about the devil in the Old Testament. They didn't talk about him. There's not enough light in the Old Testament to really speak a lot about him. When I say not enough light, what I mean is that in the, in the conversation, um, he's, he's spoken about, but it's not too, not too plainly. It was in the revelation of John they then began to really explain out that being. Because for him to be explained, he's hidden. The Satan is hidden. He's, he's very, very hidden. But for, in order for him to, for his, for his self, you know, the only few things we heard about him said, I will, I will exalt. He's not, ah, you're a proud guy somewhere. That's all we know about Satan. He's a proud man. I mean, just the basic understanding. We just know, ah, he's a proud guy who left. He left God because he wanted to take over. Now, well, there are things about his his nature, his attitude. He has an attitude. He has a, he has, there's a way he thinks. He has a character. He has a nature. There are things he loves. There are things he hates with a passion. 
Are you getting what I'm saying? That the inward configuration of the devil, we didn't see it until, until we, we began to see in chapter 13 of Revelation when he decided to pour himself inside a man. That was when he gave the man, the man they called the beast, right, who he rose out of the sea first of all, and he gave him his seat, he gave him his authority, and all of that, praise and power, and all of that, amen. And then one of the things that we saw, that as soon as he poured himself into that being and gave him all that, the being then began to manifest. He began to manifest the hidden nature of Satan, which is blasphemy. Are you seeing? So the actions of that man began to reveal, ah, oh, this is how your heart is. What? Immediately he began to blaspheme God. He began to blaspheme heaven and the temple in heaven and the worshippers. So you know, just, oh, so that's really his heart this whole time. That's Satan's problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? So Satan's problem is not to make people sick and let them die. That's what we've taught, is to make everybody in the nation sick with COVID and all malaria and AIDS and everything, and let all their children be dying. Say, hey, devil, devil is bad. You get what I'm saying? And then make all of them, cost all of them that they should never make money. So it's not all the things we thought Satan is doing. Until we got to Revelation, we now saw that those are not his problem. That his, his problem is what is happening in the temple of God. He, he's, he's burdened by, he's, he's, he's troubled by worshippers. He's troubled by the temple, he's troubled by worshippers, he's troubled by heaven. Why are they worshipping God? Why are things there holy? Why is there holiness? Do you understand what I'm saying? We also had an insight in 2 Thessalonians when he spoke about him, when he will come. He wants to sit as God. And he said he will exalt himself against all that is called God and all that is worshipped. That's his problem. Do you see that? And then he will sit as God in the temple of God. Then it will bring about the, what they call, they call it the, the abomination that causes desolation. Now, that, uh, Daniel spoke about it. Re- Revelation spoke about it. Amen. That, that thing called the abomination that causes desolation is Satan. Is that thing which he will do in God's temple that will make the temple desolate. To make the temple desolate means introduce impurity. In, make everything there impure. He knows that God will not stay anymore. If you, you, you infect the temple, you drive God away. Make the temple a place that God cannot stay. That's the dream of Satan. When you have dreams, Satan has his own dream too. And he's been working on it for a long time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Praise God. So, so what I'm saying is that, so I'm just trying to explain to you why wisdom. Like, this is not the only reason for wisdom, but this is part of it. The, the existence of Satan makes you, makes you see things about, about God that would be hard to see if the devil did not exist. Because sometimes to, to, mix, to bring something out from his couched, hidden place, it's the only sometimes what can raise something, make something come out, is from his relaxed point, is an opposition. You must bring an enemy. So everyone is sleeping until the enemy comes. Say, hey, there's an enemy here. But that's not God's reaction, but I'm just trying to show you. 
that God coming out is not because he's, he's concerned by the devil. It's because, it's because, like David said, was asking, what is man that thou art mindful of him? There was something, there's something that God cares about who is in danger to Satan. Do you see that, that man, because God has poured his love on him. God has put his, made man the object of his heart and his affection such that anywhere man goes, he will follow after him. Do you see that? Anywhere man goes, what? God will follow after him. God came out of his, himself, his eternal estate first into an everlasting expression. And he made man there. But then man journeyed out of that place and went far. Man went, I mean, man descended even down to the depths of hell. And God said that I can't leave man there. I must still go after him. So, but in the process of going after God, it, it brings about the, the extension of himself. Through, thank God for that thing. That will now give you insight into the wisdom. So in, in, in the dealing of God's spirit and God's character against Satan, you can gain the revelation of how he is on the inside. Am I making some sense to you? That's why, I, that's why I feel it's going to be so hard for people to learn God in the world to come. I'm not saying it's not possible, but I'm just saying that this earth is the best place if you want to know God, know him now. If you understand me, know him what? Now. Know him now. Know him now. Why? Because the, the earth is the God. It has been said, it has been prophesied that the earth, look, shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? Not just the knowledge of Christ and Jesus I mean that they, they, they prophesied it, that you see this earth, they will, they will fill it with the knowledge of the glory of God. The, the knowledge of God's glory. Do you know what that is? The, I mean the very glory of God. The knowledge of it will find a way to fill the earth. God has said it, to fill the earth. And it's very clear that as he fills the earth, it's an opportunity for men to learn. That's the great privilege that we have is the word, the, the learning of God. In this great interplay between light and darkness, there's a great learning that cannot call. God expects his children to learn, to learn of him. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I was saying that the temple has enemies. It has enemies. So that's why it has to be, it has to be a realm of wisdom. So there is no such thing as docile, um, no such thing as passive holiness. Or, or there is any time you see an a holy thing, it is holy because it is it is waging war against something. Did you, <laughs> did you understand my sense? That any time you see something holy, is holy because. It has the ability to be holy. Anytime you see, anytime you see a holy man, hey, you've just seen a warrior. What does, what does he war against? He's a being who, is, who has been framed to war against all impurities. 
active forces that seek to pollute the soul. And those forces, they don't fight with guns and bows and arrows and brutal way. The, 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 the wisdom, the, the warfare of the spirit is a warfare of wisdom. It's wisdom against wisdom. Holiness is carried on the wings of wisdom because unholiness, pollution, is also a work of wisdom. Sin is a work of wisdom. When you see the seed of sin is a wise seed. That seed of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in Genesis, that was what Satan was preaching to her. Look at it. You see that tree? It's able to make you wise. So you'll be like God. And then when she looked at it, she said, ah, it's good for food. Able to make one wise. Able to make one wise. They tell you that the seed behind sin is wisdom. That's why you can't just decide, I will not sin again. Like as you're sitting there and say, okay, I'm not going to sin again. I've sat there forever. You can't just decide that and go away and it will be so. Because that thing that you are deciding not to do is wiser than you. <laughs> do you understand? It's a wisdom. Seeing inside a person is a wisdom, the wisdom of his spirit. Amen. That is so wise that it gets the better of man every time. Every time. It will always defeat man until that man becomes wiser than it. So, you will not overcome any sin, any nature. Any nature you haven't become wiser than, you will never overcome it. I mean, wiser than the operations of it. You know, what, how do they install, you see, our nature issues, the things in our nature that war against us. They sit by wisdom. The wisdom of sin is actually so slippery. It's hard for you to even see it. It's just that you just know that this thing is here. Ah, and this thing should not be here. I know the Lord doesn't want me to be configured this, this part of way. But when you look around that configuration, you can't see the doorway into breaking it. It's hard to see. Ah, I do. you can try, but you can try with just, no, I'm not, from today I'm going to be somebody else. You know, I discovered that by next tomorrow you forgot what you said yesterday and you're back to your, or your original configuration because you can't see, you cannot map out the, the, the domicile of that nature within your soul. You can't, you can't set it out. You don't know where its root is touching. You don't know what is anchor. You can't, you can't tell the anchor of what, the, of natures, evil natures, natures that the enemy has brought into our soul. Are you getting what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. It's because of what? Say wisdom. Wisdom, 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 wisdom. Praise God. So anything that will be holy to God must be wise. That's the summary. Thank you for summarizing what I said before. Does that make sense to you? So you see this man, let's, let's read this, this man again. Ooh, so, so you see, these are the people who will make all the utensils of the tabernacle. They'll make the utensils, they'll make the garments, they make the altars, they make the table, they make even the candlestick. These are the guys who will make everything. And he said that the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, see, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have done what? 
filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and what in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works. Hey, thank you, Jesus. I love this. He said to devise what? To devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in cutting of stones, to set them and in carving of timber and to work in all manner of workmanship. And then I behold, I have given with him a holy of the son of Ahishama of the tribe of Dan and in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom that they may what? Make all that I have commanded thee. Say make. So, I love that word. He said, the, the reason for the spirit of wisdom filling them and giving them, making them wise-hearted is to make all that I have commanded thee. So, there is the commandment, then there is the making. The reason for commandment is to make. The reason for what? Commandment. That's what they will say in the book of First Timothy, chapter one, that, that that the end of the commandment. Now, what the end is? What is the commandment meant for? What is it meant to produce? Is is a make. The end of the commandment is charity out of a holy heart. That word, out of a pure heart, means out of a holy heart. It's very clear to you, right? That charity out of what a means that the end of what was commanded is to produce charity that will come out of a pure heart. So charity is a product of wisdom. Charity, love, is not a feeling. It's not, it's not, a, it's not that, ah, I, I, just, I just like you so much. I, I charity you. I just charity you, I just, I just like you, I just, praise God. That's not, the, that's not charity, oh. <laughs> right? Charity, a wise, a foolish man cannot love. A foolish person cannot love. When I say foolish, I don't mean according to this world. Somebody can be wise according to this world, but when it comes to that terrain, not just ordinary love, it is not love for all the sense now of Ephesians chapter 1. We're talking about charity. We're talking about the, the love that comes out of a pure heart. It's, it's special. It's a craft. Charity is a craft of the spirit. Do you, do you understand what I mean? It's a craft. Charity is something that is demonstrated by beings of wisdom. Souls with so much wisdom. So hearts that have that have been elevated to wisdom higher than spirits. Hmm. Spirits that are against the charity, against the love of Christ, against the love of the brethren. They, you must be wiser than them to, for that thing to say out of a pure heart. It comes out of a pure heart. Praise God. It is what... It's not, it, those beings who walk in charity, it's not, it's not force. They are not, they are not trying to 
Love with tears. Now, I'm not saying that, that there's no part of the journey that, I, that that won't happen, you know what I mean? You must do that sometimes, you know what I mean? You must, amen. You can't just say, ah, well, uh, let's wait for spirit. When my brother said, but I'm not feeling the love, man. We've not been gisting, and, you know, I've just... I don't feel, so I'm just waiting for spirit. <laughs> it's not spirit. <laughs> when your, your brother comes to you with a need, I just need this something right now, and I, I know you have it somewhere, you just say, you say, it's not by power, not by mind. <laughs> it's not by power, it's by my spirit said. So, See, but it's just in your account. No, 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 it's my account. But you see that account? It's, it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the Lord. So, so I'm, just, I'm just waiting for the unction of the Spirit to rest upon my heart. The Bible says that anybody that behaves like that is a liar. Yes, yes, sir. <laughs> right? So... I'm not saying, I'm not, this is not, that's not the behavior I'm teaching. Don't use waiting for auction and spirit to praise God. <laughs> there will be a time when you will, you will do it with tears. Right? There's crying involved though. You don't know, you don't know there's crying involved? How many of you have you've never cried because of love or because of... <laughs> Uh, if you've not cried before, then you've not loved yet. Pain, things that will pain you. You know what I mean? Things that will pain your person and your nature. It will touch you. It will, it will feel like dying. It will feel like dying and then you will praise God. Then you will... It's a, it's a journey. It's a warfare. So... So you're saying that they are, if they only talk about just say oil anointing, you understand what you're talking about. They must tell you, they must show you, they talk, show you the, the, what goes inside the making of the oil. There's a wisdom inside there that is also an art. They call it the art of the apothecary. It's an art. This means it's also a make. There's a making involved of the oil. But they now also show you in terms of the the, the garment which the oil will come upon and the utensils which the word oil will come upon that it's not that it's, there, is a, there is a point of imagine somebody w- making the garment the guy who was making Aaron's garment or the priestly garment making it after the first two three threads you won't see glory there you won't see beauty there so, so if they say the end of the commandment is charity out of pure heart, anything that has an end has a beginning. Yes, sir. Two things. When you say end, it means two things are involved. There's an, a beginning and there's a process. There's a beginning and there's a journey. There's a, there's a, that means there was a point where you, have, you haven't reached the end yet, but you're getting there. 
That is the season of the, of the walking out of wisdom. You understand that? It's the time when the wisdom will be walked out of the what? Of the soul. Those are the seasons that involves a lot of crying, a lot of tears. You must have love crying and crying until you learn to love rejoicing. Anybody who just loves, they always love all the time, smiling. You have not started loving. That's your love. We can't trust it. Um, we just need to... We just need to, we need to find the right place to throw you into. You know, praise God. You have your, you have your own wilderness where you will cry. You will have it. Amen. From the beginning of, of engaging the commandment to the end of engaging the commandment, inside the middle there, I mean, that's before glory comes and before beauty comes, there is shame. There is shame. That is what they call ashes because it's beauty for ashes. So, in the season of shame and ashes, that's where they teach wisdom. They, that's where they, they fine-tune wisdom. Nobody gets wise by shining. You know what I mean by shining? You're just glowing and everything, and you're enjoying. Nobody gets wise in enjoyment. All the wisdom you have in your life, it came in difficult times. If you've had very few difficulty, you have little wisdom. What I mean by difficulty is that they put a challenge before you. You're trying. It's so big. How can I overcome this thing? You'll be gathering wisdom. You'll be gathering. So it means that wisdom comes by by the exercise of the of the soul of the of the being is by in exercising yourself that wisdom comes. That's the, so the, the reason for the the school of the spirit, the meat of the spirit, which is the de, also the reason for the dealings of the oracles of God is for to produce wisdom. Right? He said that strong meat is for them that are of full age, who by reason of use have had their senses exercised to discern good. If you want to define what is wisdom, wisdom just means the discernment between good and evil, right? It's the discernment between what? Good and what? Evil. That is wisdom. You can discern between good and evil. So, um, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the tree that is the tree, is the stature against the discernment between good and evil. So that's the, that's the meaning of that tree. The meaning of the tree of good and evil is the tree in which good and evil is mixed together. Yeah. That's, uh, do, you, do you understand what I mean? It's, 
is mixed in that tree because there's no discernment of it. Are you seeing that? Lack of, so it means that, so that tree said, ah, that tree is able to make one wise. So the, the wisdom of the devil is the wisdom that blows the, 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 the demarcation between good and evil. <laughs> it, it blows it, you can't. When you see a person that, that excels in that tree, they call good evil and evil good. They mix it up. They have no clue of what actual good is and what actual evil is. That is the sickness of that tree. Now, it's a tree of wisdom, but to do such a thing takes wisdom. Something must happen to, 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 to you, to a person. Something is a, it's a cunning work. It's not easy to obscure something in plain sight. Right? Imagine an Adam who God made. We now become so dull. You can't understand what is good and evil. It's a, it's, a, it's a secret wisdom. Are you getting what I'm saying? In that tree that obscured that thing. And that's the problem with men. Men call evil good. Most of what we call good today are evil. A lot of the things we desire, many of us, many of us, the things we've desired in our life before, some of us, and many of us, the things we still desire, they are still, as you're sitting here right now, there are many things that in your heart, if we check it, that you know, these are desires, and if it's not taken, it might even be a huge driving force of your life. Yes, many of those things are evil, still. But you said that many of those things are things which the world celebrates. Like, parents celebrate evil in their kids. From when the child is young, they celebrate evil. I'm better than the rest. <laughs> Champion child. The parent thinks that is good. Building their self-esteem. Build their confidence. Are you seeing that? You don't know that he doesn't have the wisdom to separate excellent spirit from a what? From a haughty spirit. It's not easy to, for a parent to have such a wisdom and divide those things inside a child. Say, no, 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 no. It's good to be excellent and be good and do it very well. But there's another thing around the excellency that we must separate out from you. That is, <laughs> not, it, takes, it takes wisdom. But you see, those other things around it is where sin, when you take the sin, magnets those things. Are you, so I want to then ask you the question, who then did it? Who attached being excellent to pride? What kind of faculty can produce such a thing? It's wisdom. So it means wisdom can hide. It is the same wisdom. You see, when you think of revelation, you see, revelation follows wisdom. Understanding is sometimes revelation. Wisdom, if you don't bring wisdom, wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the one who is pregnant with understanding. Understanding comes out of the womb of wisdom. So it means that the, 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 the basic manifestation of wisdom is understanding. That when you know, how you know wisdom is around is that understanding begins to come. Right, so what is the meaning of understanding or, or comprehend revelation is that it is, it is the unveiling of what is covered. 
Right? So what I'm just trying to show to, show to you is that that which, what brings understanding is the same thing that covers. It's the same operation. To hide a thing takes the same faculty that it requires to search it out. Tell a child, go and hide something. Like when my daughter now, she knows she likes hide and seek, eh? Now, when it's time for her to go and hide, she can just be in front of you and then take a cloth and cover her face and, and tell you to count, to look for her. Now, to her, she's hidden. <laughs> you understand what I mean? To her, she's very, very hidden. But when you play at a seek with a child, you realize, ah! All fingers are not equal. <laughs> you, it's, it becomes so clear to you that this bean must grow, man. You, are, you can't stay like this. This is just too low. Because you come face to face with their level of understanding. There's very little. Right. That's what, that's childhood state. Child. Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Is bound in the heart of a child. It's just something about a child, children, and foolishness. Do you see that? But so it then means that that you can, if it's no longer a child, when growth happens, it means growth is the increase in wisdom. Wisdom is the removal of foolishness, right? When you take away foolishness and you replace foolishness, you bring wisdom. So you can't separate wisdom from growth. Growth is the acquisition of wisdom. Praise the Lord. So, so I said, it's the, so wisdom hides. So if a wisdom hides something, you can't bring a lesser wisdom to find it. Do you get what I'm saying? Like a, a cherub made something called sin. Can man uncover what the cherub has made? The man will be happy and celebrating and enjoying evil, but he will think it's good because of what? The, the wisdom of who, what? Of who made it. Praise God. So I, I was, I'm just trying to show you that why, why is wisdom the principal thing, ingredient of holiness? That's, that was my point to you, that you are beginning to see, the, to understand why. You understand why they wouldn't call him the only wise God. That, to the only wise God that really, you know, all said and done, all, all wisdom belongs to you. That wisdom is one of the, the highest qualification that you can, the highest, is the highest quality. Wisdom is the most important qual- quality of a living thing, wisdom. Why? Because it's the principal thing. Everything comes after it. Anything else. Wisdom can bring anything. If you have wisdom, you, anything else that other people go after, wisdom will get it for you. Just leave everything, go after wisdom. Wisdom will say, is it that one you want? This is how. 
they get that one. What about the other one? This is how that one is gotten. What about the other one? This is how that one is gotten. The person that has wisdom has everything. Say wisdom is, say money is a defense. And wisdom is a defense. They are two. Was the prophets, sorry, the preacher Solomon was lining them up. He said that money is a defense, wisdom is a defense. These are two defenses that, that men can use. But the excellency of wisdom is that knowledge giveth life to he that finds it. So he's telling you that money is kind of, you know, they said money answereth all things. So that would tell you the pedigree of money. I know that money is the chief creation of Satan. You don't know? That's what they said and make it's money now. That's why they now say that thing is the root of all evil. So, so what answered all things is the root of all evil. That should just make you scared and just, that should make you. So you mean that what answered all things is actually the root of all evil. So it means that, does that mean all our answer is coming from evil? So, so how wicked is the devil that, that will give evil as the answer to all things? That's what Satan did to me. You don't understand? Satan gave evil to man as the answer to what? all things. You, okay, money answer. What's money, really? Is money just your coins? No, it's more than that. The coin represents something. Money is the ability to have. Yes. <laughs> That's all money is. Your fine look can be money. Hey. It's, just a, it's just another currency. You know what I mean? It's another currency. So it's. You don't agree with me? Your soft spokenness. Your kind nature. Is what? Is money? It can be a currency. Currency. So, currency. That the concept of currency. That you know, currency. How to have. That is the evil that Satan brought into the world. God. God. God has only one currency. It's called fate. And that currency is what God decided that every living thing should use. God designed that if you are a living and you want something, spend fate to get it. That is how God designed that every living word thing should be. You should be spending fate, not money. Satan came and said, no, don't spend faith. Remember that whatever is not of faith is sin. Right? So don't spend faith. Look around you. Find something else to spend. That was what began to drive Cain. Go and build houses. Go and build. What was he looking for? Defense. Create value around you. 
The reason for looking for value to create is so that you can have things to exchange. Is that desire to have things. Do you get what I'm trying to say to you? So, as I said, faith is the only currency that God. Right? So, faith is the only thing. Because remember, they said the just shall live by faith, right? The just shall live. So, faith produces life. Right? So, the, if faith produces life, then what does money produce? Money produces death. Am I saying I'll go and give all your money away? Okay. Don't need to clarify all these things anymore. You understand what I'm trying to say now. It's just, I'm not saying that you shouldn't. I have money. My wallet, there's money inside. <laughs> and, but that's not what I'm talking about. You need to understand the paper represents something, right? That is, there's something spiritual about it. If I give you 50, I want to give you $100. When you, become, when you become safe is when I can give you a hundred dollars and you can take, if you can take hundred dollars with me, from me, and not take evil, you've been helped. It's not easy. Anytime there's a transfer of currency, there are spirits around, you know, that currency is, there's something around the currency that is a, is it's a doorway to the heart that when you receive it, they don't want it just don't just receive notes. Receive confidence. It's spiritual. That one, that one is spiritual. This one is physical. You but when you get one, when they are downloading your page, you know that every two weeks, that thing they download every two weeks. That thing they download is not just money. In fact, these days they even made it more, even more easy that you don't see it physically. You just look at your computer, you just see something and just, when you just see there's something, there's something that, are you seeing that, that, that confidence that enters inside, that is the evil of it. So, so, when you know you've been helped is when you can see that money and nothing else is landing inside you. It means that the money is there but your currency is still fake. And if your currency is still fit, if God says, give it away, easily, nothing will happen. You know, there's, not, it's not, there's no attachment to, to your soul. To your, are you getting what I'm saying? Now, why did the rich young ruler go away sorrowful? When Jesus told him, he has done everything, but he said, go and sell all that you have. Don't invest it. Because investing it can't deal with and then giving it to your friend. Because if you give it to your friend, you've just changed currency. You no longer have money, but you have this. But say the poor. When you give it to the poor, you know that there's nothing... Apart from the fact that they, they will finish it and you cannot get it back because they are anointed to consume things. That's one about the poor. They have anointing to make things disappear. If you want money to disappear, give it to the poor. That's why he's poor because he has skill in not having things. He has, he's anointed not to have. And, and, and the poor is in nature. Yes. So when you give it to the poor, you can't, you can't come back tomorrow and expect favor from him because he's the poor. Being poor is, a, is an image. 
Praise God. Amen. I'm speaking in, I'm not putting down poor people, please. <laughs> Understand my wisdom. I'm speaking, I've entered into the world which Satan created. Yes. And I'm describing things in that world. In Satan's world, poverty is a nature. It's an image. Sometimes to break that image, you have to go to, is it financial seminar? How are those guys? There are guys who have anointed to break that thing. And for some guys, their own is too strong, but you can't even break it. No matter what you do for them, they can remain poor. Praise the Lord. So, so you see, that when Jesus told him all those things, now go and do it, then come and follow me. He went away, what? And then he now began to say that it's harder, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man. Is that riches there that can stop a soul from entering the kingdom, the gates of the kingdom? It's not just physical money. It is the evil which money imports. When you see, when that is too much confidence, you have confidence in their, in their ability to have are you getting what I'm trying to say? When a soul is like that, you say that that soul is not compatible with the what? The gates of what? Of the kingdom. Why? Because along with all his riches, he's bringing evils, impurity, and they are concerned about that thing called kingdom. Don't bring things that are pure, that are impure into this place. So to get access to the kingdom first, they must make you poor. That's the first standard of coming to the kingdom. After you have been poor, poverty is a prerequisite for holiness. They only make poor people holy. They can never make a rich man holy. Does that make sense to you? Those who are candidate for holiness are poor people. Who are poor people? Levites. Yes, That's the definition of being a Levite. You must be poor. You've, not, you've read that before. You've not interpreted it that way. That's, you've not interpreted it that way. It's simple now. Go and read the law of the Levites to you. It's just poverty. What is poverty? You have nothing. They share land to all the people. And when they give you land, it means you can do business. You can farm. Once they give you land, that's the most important thing. So imagine all of Israel getting rich, having farms. What, what, Levi, what does he have? He has tabernacle, he has his cloth, whatever. And that's the definition of poverty. So God said that everybody who is Levite must not have things. That is what separation is. So separation actually is, the, is establishment in the poor life. Is separation, a separated soul is establishment. How do you know somebody who is not poor? They cannot sit down and read their Bible. That's when I say read their Bible, I don't mean just reading your Bible. I mean metaphorically, using that as a metaphor to represent the school of wisdom, the school of revelation knowledge. How can you tell a person a soul that is not poor? Open the spiritual revelation. That doesn't talk about things on the earth. Slumber falls on the soul. Why? Because they cannot, the same way they identify with money, the heart cannot identify with what they call riches. 
So, when they are terming riches in the scripture, New Testament, Paul's language of riches in the New Testament is revelation. That's how Paul, it was spoken. He said, I, who am lower than the least of all saints, was this grace given that I should preach unto the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. That's fellowship of the mystery is talking about revelation knowledge. That's what he terms the, the riches of what? Of, of Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let it dwell in you. I seen riches. Riches are the thoughts of the kingdom. They call them the pale. Jesus was talking about that, that word of the kingdom. He was, he was saying we don't cast our pearls before swine or give holy things to dogs. That was talking about he, the freedom with which he will, be, he will be willing to communicate the things of the kingdom. So you see the thought of the kingdom, the revelation of the kingdom are riches of the kingdom. Praise the Lord. So how do you know if you are rich with evil? The first say, sign to know if you are rich with evil is check your value for, the, for revelation knowledge. It's not by checking your bank account, no. Some of us are poor, we don't have money, but in terms of physical cash. So it's not, it's not there, it's not in terms of physical cash. Is in terms of, you know, like I said, you can receive the more. There are things that can. It's your, someone's riches is their confidence, right? Another way to describe riches is where the heart is. That's how you know. He said that where a man's what? The treasure of a man is what? There his heart will be also. So, when you are, you are trying to, hey, wake up, understand this thing. The soul is hard for the soul to enter into the world of spiritual revelation. It's because there is, they have riches somewhere else. And because of that, their heart is where what? The riches are. So, separation is actually the, is the disengagement from Riches of that the, the spirit of the world has given to the soul. I'm describing riches to you, right? I said riches is spending power. Yes. Currency. Some of us, your riches is your investment in your person. It's not money. Money, that's, the, that's the, the most outward. It's not really. Money is that which you are accumulating to spend. Some of you, your, your good English, how you talk. Is a, is a currency. You spend time accumulating it to spend it later. Some of us, your riches is your image. I'm on your social image. There's a way I must be positioned. You know, there's, there's some yes, things. Man, man, if you do some things, you have to, you have to, you know, yes. it's, it's, it's you're accumulating currency. It's currency. Why? You, have, you know that there will be a time when you, want, you will spend that thing. Some of you are already spending it. You already, you already spend it. You already spend it. You, you can use it to, you know how, you know how you can spend such things. 
investment. Praise God. So, it's, even, it's hard to even begin to explain the depth of riches. Right? It's very hard. There are some areas, there are some riches that are even too legitimate. Like my mouth cannot go there. If I go there, I might cause problem. <laughs> you know, you're not even the one that might give me problem. There are other people who are tied to those, who are tied to those riches. <laughs> so you, it's not easy to trace the riches of a heart, of a soul, sorry, to identify them. The only way is trace the heart. That's just. Where does the heart easily go and stay? The scripture can never be broken. If a heart is always staying somewhere, there's something rich, there's something there, there's something, there's something like, it's like, one of the signs that you know that a chicken maybe has laid an egg. It will just be in one corner. A chicken is always running around, playing and everything. Why are you, always, why are you not always staying in that, in that shade? Or something's happening there. It means that when you raise the chicken up, you will now see that there are some things that the chicken has laid. Eggs. Some of our souls, you have eggs that you protect in certain places. You, don't, you come from meeting, but after meeting, some of you, while you are still in the meeting, once oh. the meeting, oh, you have, oh, time, you can easily just zoom to that place. Zoom to that. While the, the riches of the kingdom are coming, it might come and you are not seated. You are not receiving because the heart has gone to where its treasure is, where it kept its treasure. It's not, it's not everything that is, all, it's not all, always all sophisticated, like, wow, my treasure is in my office, my career. No, sometimes it can be that. For, 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 many, for, for young people, it's not, as, it's not that sophisticated. For, for many of us, it's not even those kind of things. Maybe as you're getting into this new, this new season of life, many of us are coming into career, work, you've gone to a workplace, you've seen some glories there. Some people who have glory, who have committed glory, you've Wow, a, man, a person can be like this. Oh, oh so knowledgeable. Wow. So, oh, my God, awesome. Glory can begin to talk to you in a, a fresh kind of glory you've not seen before. After a while, you can make up your mind, I'm going to be like that person. In this place. That can happen. But for many of us, we are not even in that place yet. So for some of us, it's just simple thing. It's your, some of you, where your treasure is, is in your comfort. That's just your own treasure. It's just, your, I just want to be comfortable, you know. You know, that just feeling of just, ah, just being by myself and just enjoying my thing. That can be your treasure. Anything that brings you out of there, ah, you always, are you getting what I'm saying? It can be anything. That's just my point, you know what I mean? But it can be anything. But how do you know that something is a treasure to you? Is check it. Does it call you from the place of your, your proof, of your occupation, of your spiritual occupation? Can it easily pull you out of? That thing that always pulls you out of your meditative mindset. Your, 
that thing that, that calls, imagine, imagine a sheep that the, a shepherd put on a pasture, something else calling the sheep. And imagine a sheep rising up from its pasture into somewhere else. That's how sometimes our soul is that way. So where your, your treasure is anything that, can, that wakens you out of the pasture. You should have found a resting place. Why? Because you put your treasure in it. Does that make some sense to you? So you are seeing then that that land of separation, right, which is we've explained that place a lot, is what we call it the, is the first stable land, the land of fate, is also is the land of your occupation in terms of the thoughts of the kingdom. Is that is a place of a new meditation that is separate from the things which the world you know, emphasizes to the soul. Praise the Lord. The sign of that your soul has entered that place is, is that you are poor. So when Jesus was, was, was coming in Luke chapter 4, he began to say that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That gospel is the gospel of the kingdom, right? And he said, we only preach that gospel to the poor. Why can they only preach to the poor? Because beings who are rich with other things, they cannot calm down to listen to the detail of They don't listen to news. There's a difference between news and entertainment. Have you watched news before? Although these days, news... These days, news is also entertainment, right? It's, they've changed every, there's no longer news anymore. When you're watching maybe CNN today, you might as well be watching African Magic or... Sometimes the drama in the news station is more than in an Hollywood movie. Because everything, human beings have become so corrupt. We can't, we can't endure things that are not entertaining. But normally news is different. In news, you need to pay attention. Before, one of the ways you raise a child and make them, when you're beginning to teach them about the world, and you make them listen to news with you. Before, that's how you do it. Then they begin to ask you a question, why this, why that, why that? You know when it's time to be, to be wise about this earth? News, but now you can't really get your kids to watch news. But why? Because there's something about news. It's, it's news. To listen to news is something you're not familiar with. It's something new. To, to pay attention, it takes some calmness and some sobriety. It's a frame of mind. It's different from the frame of mind of an entertainment channel. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the, 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 the state of mind that listens to news is called poverty of heart. You, somebody who is poor is he is looking for what is new. They, they're looking for something new. Someone who is rich doesn't want something new. He relies on his riches. Do you understand? You, you rely on what you have. Somebody who is not poor, when a preacher is teaching the kingdom, bringing news about the kingdom, a, a soul that's not poor cannot find genuine interest. I don't mean that we came because we come. I don't mean that kind of thing. We do come. That's what we do. That's the, image, that's the nature 
our default nature. Ah, meet, bah, meet, you know, we have to be there. What, what else do we do now? I have not seen this evil world. What is our <laughs> In this evil world, where, where, where else are we going to go? Ah, let's go there. At least somebody can be safe. That's not the attitude. But it's another person who's, who, who's there because his life depends on it. Because when he comes down to it, he has nothing else and he knows it. He knows it. That's, that's the you've hit poverty of spirit. And the scripture. This word of revelation, they can they read heart. They know a poor heart. And the gospel is the poverty, is the property of poor men. The gospel is not to the rich. The gospel is for the poor. This is a fact. This is a fact. You can never. Jesus said it. Not many rich, not many noble, not many, not many wise, according to the earth. Do you know what I'm saying? Did you get what I'm saying? <laughs> that it is something, this scripture is the property of poor people. If you, that's the secret of revelation knowledge. If you want revelation, go and take all your things, give them to the poor. What that means is that sell all the, all your what? Your riches, the riches which you've stored in places, those corruptible things, give them away. Call back your heart. Call back your attention. Call it back. You have the power to do that. The devil will make you feel like, no, it's not. It's, you're, no, it's a lie. It's a lie. You have the power to do that. You have the, power. the Lord has empowered you. It's, the, it's called the power of your will. It's a, it's, a, it's a gift God gave you. The gift of your will of a man. God, God made a man able. Say, I've set before you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Glory to Jesus. Maka Prahoda. Thank you. Let's just continue. He said that I have said before you what? Life and death. How will he say that if you cannot choose? There's nothing you choose. He didn't say I will choose for you. He didn't say I will make you choose. Well, you should choose life. I've said before, you can choose. But you, what you can feel that you, might not, you are not able to choose is a lie of the devil to make you feel that way. And choosing has nothing to do with becoming it. God, becoming it is not your own job. Yes. <laughs> But they never want to confuse you and make you feel like, ah, you have to then use your... No, no, no. Just choose. The problem is that you've not chosen. That's just the problem. That's the, most of us, that's our problem. Whatever you aspire to in God, the reason why you, haven't, you are not progressing there is because you just haven't chosen yet. It's not because heaven is waiting for your own strength. It's not by power and by might. It's by my spirit. But you must choose. The day of choice. Yeah, it's true. And when you choose, you know you have chosen. You can even know the day you chose. You know the day you chose. Choose. 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 It says choose life. 
I've said before you life and death. Choose life. That was, life and death means I've said before you life or your riches. Wow. Right? He said that money is a defense. Wisdom is a defense. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. So that word money there means the things you have accumulated, they will kill you. That is what they are meant for. Anything that takes your occupation outside of God is an agent of death. It will corrupt. Any atmosphere outside God's presence is corruptible. It has the ability to act upon your soul and bring about corruption. If you stay there for too long, check, you are getting weaker. You'll be getting weaker. As you're getting weaker, your, your ability to respond to God will decrease. And decrease, that's, the, that's, the, that's, the, what, that's the, the purpose of corruption, of the corrupt life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I said glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Am I making some sense to you? Yes, Amen. So we just came here because we we're talking about wisdom, right? That wisdom, we said wisdom is what? The, it's the principal thing. So, so it's, the, it's the main qualification of anything that is living. That is true. With wisdom, they grade things. Grade spiritually are in wisdom. What makes God higher than Christ? That he can be the God of Christ. They call him the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ acknowledged him as his own God. Then when you look at the nature of God, what makes the nature of God better than the nature of Christ is because God is wiser than Christ. That God's nature, right, that being the called the only wise God, he has what? A higher what is according to wisdom. So when you say wisdom, like I said, wisdom is a, is a property of spirit. Spirit. So what is in spirit? that makes spirit important is his wisdom. Do you see that? So the message is that the, where is, you need to understand where did they keep the wisdom for your holiness? It's the, the wisdom that should do what? That should make you holy. is kept where? It's kept in the what? In the spirit. Praise the Lord. So if you, the, your desire is to be holy, now of course we know that, that being holy is the, is the purpose of God. In Ephesians chapter 1, read it quickly. He said that who has what, chosen us. So blessed be God and, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed who blessed us with all spiritual blessings in what? Places in Christ Jesus. Uh-huh. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame what? before him in love. That we should be holy and without blame before what? him in love. So God has designed that as the goal For our soul is 
for us to come into holiness. That's the, the goal of God. When God sees you, God wants you to be holy. To be holy means to be, to be separated from things that only untoldness unto God, right, is, that's the first real standard of holiness to God, is the state where the soul no longer touches the unclean thing. According to Second Corinthians chapter, chapter 6, right, that come out from among them, be separate, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So, if a soul no longer touches the unclean thing, I want you to see that this is like a dual, it's a state which, uh, which, which, which has dual essence or which manifests in a dual state sense. That if a soul is no longer touching the unclean thing, it means the soul is now able to touch holy things. So, are you seeing that? That's what they are describing here in that um, Exodus chapter 30 is, is a soul that no longer touches the unclean thing, but if a soul no longer touches the unclean thing, that is a qualification for the soul to do what? Touch what? To touch holy things. So, the and that way you can replace clean with holy. Or you can replace unclean with unholy. In this sense, right? So, touching that things that are holy. For one to touch what is holy, they must have made the, the soul holy must have raised the soul in what? In holiness. To make the soul compatible with holy things. Praise God. To do what? Make what? The soul compatible with what? With holy things. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Now time. Verse 29. chapter 30 verse 29 it says and thou shalt sanctify them that they may be most holy and you say whatsoever say whatsoever whatsoever toucheth them shall be what shall be holy praise God the maintaining that state of holiness is 
Um, is a work of wisdom that must be wrought in every heart. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. We have to be out by two because um, they have to use the place. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Glory to God. Was it James that was describing? The wisdom that was is from above it said something that is first is first pure. Right? Yes, sir. As James chapter three, three verse seventeen. What does it say? Yes. It's first pure, uh-huh. then peaceable, peaceable. gentle, mm-hmm. and easy to be entreated, mm-hmm. full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality mm-hmm. and without hypocrisy. Without partiality and hypocrisy. So that's just that's describing purity. Mm-hmm. Right? So a lot of what we we think as wisdom is not really wisdom in God's sense. Right? What they are describing as wisdom there is not guile. Right? They, are, they are describing the virtue of wisdom. When you hear wisdom, ah, this is a wise person. Sin has redefine wisdom. Like wisdom, it just means you are cunning and somehow and in a certain way. A lot of what is described as wisdom on the earth is not wisdom. Right. On the earth, wisdom is defined as, as the ability, they say is the right application of knowledge or something. They define wisdom as just as a tool to get something done. Ah, this guy always gets the answer, he's wise. wise. No, mm-hmm. wisdom is not like that. Wisdom, real wisdom, that one they call wisdom that is from above, mm-hmm. is to actually do a tool. It's a, it's a mechanism to, to establish the soul, to, to cement the soul's way mm-hmm. in the path of purity. And in the part of holiness. 
So when you see a wise Christian, a wise soul, this is a wise person. A person is wise. It's not in the ability to receive or get results of certain, of certain sort. Spiritual wisdom is not your ability to be the best person in your workplace through the wisdom of the Holy Ghost. That's not wisdom of the Spirit. That's not really wisdom. Wisdom is, the, is, the, is to produce holiness. That is, uh, you see what I'm saying? That's what wisdom is for, too. So wisdom is first pure. That's the, that word first is, you, you want to summarize everything that wisdom is supposed to give to a soul, is to bring about purity. So that's the reason for the wisdom of the spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I don't know if you've been blessed today. God wants to make us wise to impart this wisdom to us. Through the ministry of the spirit, as we yield ourselves to the ministry of, of the Holy Spirit to make our hearts able to fetch that which comes from above. To, to tune, they want to retune you and reshape how your heart is, uh, your, the shape the way your feet walks on the earth. That they can change your feet to walk with a different consciousness of upward holiness, right? Which, when you begin to do that, you begin to, is a, a way of living that has the, the consciousness of how your heart's conversation is registering upward. Is that kind of attitude that you call forth the wisdom of God into your heart. It's the wisdom for living. It's, a, it's, it's not just something that is abstract. It's also a way, a wisdom for living. But when you are using that wisdom, it will produce sin, a holiness within your heart. Praise the Lord. Just begin to talk to God. and um, just You can pray and ask him to, to bless you, to bless your heart with a spirit. The same way he filled those, those men with the spirit of of wisdom and he made them wise hearted. Just begin to pray and the Lord will visit you with that same wisdom that he will visit your heart with that same wisdom and possess your vessel with the same spirit of wisdom that you will not fall short of the, the standard of, of wisdom which the Lord requires of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Father, we thank you. Bless your holy name. We ask that you will give us every, whatever our heart has requested, Lord, in your will for us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim.